Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey guys, oh my God, guess what just happened? We had a big major exit. We sold our main brand. We're super excited it happened. We had a seven figure exit. This is the thing we've been talking about. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. And this is how we become Amazon millionaires by having seven figure exits. And we just did it. Very, very excited. I got to talk to my business partner, Mike. He and I have been building the business for the last like five, six, seven years, whatever. And one thing I did, I thought, you know what? It would be fun to capture this entire experience as it's happening. And kind of before we know what happens at the very beginning and then kind of go into like why we're doing it and then the exit and then after the exit and stuff like that. So in this series, we're going to be talking about the exit. And this first episode is really fun. This is way back in the end of 2020 when we were kind of like resolved that, yes, we are going to be exiting. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the why. Why would you want to exit your business? And Mike and I, again, we're talking before the exit. So a few things that we say are like a little bit off. We're pretty spot on, but a little bit off. I want you loyal listeners to listen to this entire series. It's going to be coming out over the next two weeks and it's going to be really fun and we're going to be learning a lot. So make sure to tune into all of the next few episodes in this series. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the Zoncom podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Erickson. I am here with my business partner, my longtime business partner, Mike Yeh. Hey, Mike, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So we are going to be talking about exiting, as in selling our businesses. So it's a pretty big, exciting thing that you can do. These businesses really can be built and sold to private buyers and equity firms and all sorts of different kinds of people who will buy these things. So we're going to be talking about that. We're actually going to do a several part series about this. Right now, we are pre-sale of our business. This is our main business we've had for the last couple of years. And so uh, we're going to do a pre-sale recording now. And then after the sale, we'll talk about how that sale went. So hopefully it goes well. (laughs) (laughs) And Mike, uh, we have an in-depth with you that we did previously, which was episode 46, How to Organize a Million-Dollar Team with Mike Yeh. So for those of you who want to learn more about Mike, you should listen to that podcast. But why don't you give us a little intro on yourself before we jump into the topic? Sure. Yep. So I entered this space with you, Andrew, back in 2016. I think you were uh, already in the space at that point. But, um, you know, I was really intrigued by what you were doing. Met you through a mutual friend of ours at a at a little pool party. And uh, and I guess it was just history since then. I mean, you said a, a business that we've been running for a couple years. It's actually going on five years now. So that's a uh, I'd say that's a quite a long time, and uh, we're we're overdue for an exit at this point. I think we're both very excited to experience this side of it being the first exit for both of us. So, very glad that I could share this experience with you. Yeah, awesome, man. I'm excited to share it with you as well, and we'll uh, hopefully those will be one of many exits that we do. So, it, yeah, those will be our practice one, and then we'll get even bigger <laughs> and better on the next one. <laughs> Hey, if we can if we can make money on on practices that uh that, <laughs> that's good in my book. 
<laughs> awesome. Cool, guys. Well, we're going to talk about uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the why of exiting. Like, uh, why would you want to sell a business? Why not just hold on to it forever and run the same business for 30 years, right? Some people do that. And we're going to talk about why we should exit. So we're going to touch on why on this episode. And the next episode, we're going to talk about how. So the very practical, like how you go about finding a buyer and how you go through that whole process. So uh, I just want to introduce first the concept of selling a business. So uh, like everything, there is, you know, businesses themselves are assets that you can sell. So an asset, you know, like a car, a house, anything else like that. These things are, uh, you know, intellectual property, like a patent. These are assets that can be bought and sold by people. And so the business itself is also an asset. This asset's usually evaluated on like the profit that that business brings. And then you usually get a multiple on that profit. For small businesses, 3x is, is pretty common. Right now, the market's a little bit hotter and we're, we're looking at like a 4x annual profit. So for example, if the business makes about 100,000, you would get three to four X that value. So that would be 300 to $400,000 for that business. So that's kind of like the intro into it, to selling, like the idea of selling a business. But Mike, why don't you tell me a little bit about like why the idea, like why, why this interests you, the idea of like growing and building and then exiting a business? Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying I, I definitely used to fall into the camp of people that were like, why would you sell a business? Like a business in my mind at the time was definitely kind of like a money printing machine. It was like, why would you sell you know, your, your money printing machine in this case when it keeps making money as long as it's profitable? And you know, I, I think you were actually the one that really turned me on to the idea of selling. I probably would not have of my own volition come to the conclusion that it'd be a good idea to sell because I'd be too stuck in that mindset of don't sell the money printing machine. But you know, it, now that I kind of see the other side of it, I understand that there's a lot of great reasons why just to name a few of them, you know, you, you get a big payday, a big cash out period as part of the sale. But not only that, you're also cashing out a lot of the time, time and effort that you invest in the business, which then lets you kind of go off and pursue other things that you might be interested in or build an even bigger money printing machine in, in which case, you know, which is partially why we're exiting in this case. Right. So um, I think that's, uh, you know, some of the primary motivators that got me interested in, in the idea of selling the business. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a money printing machine. That's a good way of looking at it, but like anything, those money printing machines, that machine itself has value, right? Sure. <laughs> so why would you, why would anybody <laughs> ever sell a house that they have? Like, why not just keep it and rent it forever? Well, some people do rent it forever, but there sometimes it makes sense if you're moving or if you don't have the cash available or there's a different risk portfolio. Mm -hmm. And for us, you know, I mean, yeah, the business is profitable and it's happy and it's great. And, and it actually affords us a pretty nice lifestyle. And it allowed me to hit 32 countries in 12 months. Right. That was uh, two years ago. And Mike is able to come home and, and work from home with his uh, with his little babies and stuff. So it, it <laughs> gives us a really nice lifestyle. But, you know, there's there's a few, you know, there's a couple of things, right? So yeah, you can, you can just keep it forever. But in terms of the value of the business, it's a big, big chunk of my net worth. I, you know, without discussing too much of it, it's, it's probably 80%, 70% of my net worth is tied up in this business, which is fine. I'm okay with that, especially at my age, but the businesses are risky. And uh, having 70% of my net worth tied up in this kind of business where the account can get suspended or the inventory is damaged or the employee hacks the bank account or like whatever it is, those little things that can get you, 
Um, it's really scary, especially uh, I had a baby recently. So like my risk meter has gone <laughs> a little bit more sensitive now. So I'm like, let's, let's maybe like get a little less risky owning this business. Sure. Makes sense. What do you, I mean, what do you think, Mike, about uh, like having a good chunk? You know, we, we have, you know, our primary homes and some 401ks sure. and stuff like that. So we're fine outside of that. But like a good chunk of our net worth is tied up in the business. It is. It is. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's nice to kind of be able to bring some of that home and diversify it in, you know, more traditional uh, investments. So I do agree with that. But, you know, in, in my mind, the primary reason is, you know, really a pursuit of other passions and and also the fact that I think that part of what made this business exciting was, was the growth period, the, you know, taking it from nothing and building all the systems and processes that went into it in order to make it what it is today. And I think we did that incredibly successfully. It was a long journey, but, you know, I think we knocked it out of the park and it was a very exciting period. And, you know, basically now where it is, it's a, it's a very mature business that's basically runs itself. I mean, we, we kind of overlook or not overlook, look over the business operations. But for the most part, you know, we're, we're primarily hands off of it at this point. And so I don't know if, you know, I'm just getting the itch again to build something else up, but it'd be kind of difficult to incur that risk at the same time as still continuing to hold this business. So there's a, there's a trade-off there, but I kind of feel like that, you know, the honeymoon period of being able to build the business is, is now uh, behind us, which, you know, in a lot of people's eyes is a great thing. In my eyes, it's you know got me itching for something else. So, <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing that we're spending most of our time on now is uh, pursuing new passions, right? So uh, we started another brand this last year, and that brand is now doing well enough that it's almost at the point where it can pay our basic salaries, right? It should be should be there really soon. <laughs> it's like <laughs> almost there. <laughs> so we figured like if we sell the business, we can pursue this other brand that is a little bit more passionate and a little more close to home to Mike and me. And so uh, uh, that's the other thing too is that like you know you're just doing the same thing, the same product, the same brand for five six years, just gets a little old and boring sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, and on that note, you know, I'll, I'll say without getting into too much detail about the actual products themselves on this brand or the brands that we're selling currently, I feel like the products that are within those brands really were a result of, you know, just us looking at analytics, like what does the market need, but not really considering too much of our actual interest and passions. I mean, I, I can't say I have, you know, particularly high interest or passion in, in the products that we're selling now that are in the brands that we're trying to sell. But at the time when we looked at the market and we looked for gaps, it was, you know, it was lit up like that's what we need to go after. And so that's kind of how we fell down that rabbit hole. And while I do enjoy the whole process of designing and developing new products, you know, if you gave me an option of designing anything that <laughs> these products that we're talking about right now would not be would not be my my initial uh, idea of something that would be fun to to work in. So <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the passion there. Right. And so, so I, I do personally find passion building products and, and helping customers and building the brand and stuff like that. So that, that's my thing. I love building the business and building the products, but, and think of like new clever ways to, to kind of like fix other products that aren't doing well and we can come out with our own version. So I had that kind of passion, but the product itself, I, I don't use, I'm not yeah. the demographic. Yeah. So and it's, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember when we uh picked the product on the main brand that we're selling here. I, I just recall from you know from another old podcast that you turned me on to years and years ago before I was even in the space. You know, the gist of it was like basically 
if you start selling your product and and you take it to your friends and show it to them and they're like, oh, that's cool, then you know you're you're selling the wrong product. But if you take it to them and your friends are like, dude, what like what are you doing? That's when you know you you're doing it right. <laughs> and we are 100 in in the dude, what are you doing category, which means that you know we did that part right, but it does not exactly align with my own personal interests at least so getting into something yeah. that does align a little bit more you know is, is exciting <laughs> that's the thing and there's so many people who who are like man i would love to sell travel stuff i would love mm-hmm. to sell these products that i do that i use every single day and that that makes sense if you're the kind of person who if you're the target demographic for your own product you can know that really well and you can know your avatar really well because you yourself are the avatar right but uh i i found I'm not a good avatar. Like my segment of the market, like how I think apparently does not align with how most Amazon buyers buy. So I'm that strategy does not work well with me. Right. So if, if it works well for others, that's fantastic. Like if that's your strength, then like go with it and like hit it hard. But the stuff I buy, there's not much of a nice market around. So I don't I don't know. It's, I've always found that technique like a little difficult to like just sell the things that you like. <laughs> Yeah, totally agree with that. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, why don't we? Uh, so, you mentioned that the company kind of runs by itself. We do have to do some oversight and everything. But uh, I've had people ask me, well, if it runs by itself and it's generating profit and everything else, why don't you just hire someone to run it for you and just like forget about it and have them run it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, like, you why, know, we, why don't we do that? We we strongly considered it. That's for sure. I mean, we we spend at least a few weeks looking at that as a potential option instead of exiting you know from what i recall we did some analyses on basically what we would need to make happen in order for that to come to fruition you could certainly do that i i still don't see anything wrong with doing that i mean if we if we decided to t- today that we're not going to sell and we're going to go down that path i would be a little upset but i wouldn't be totally heartbroken though i would be more heartbroken on or more upset about the missed opportunity of seeing what an exit looks like. I think that's what I'm most excited about right now is not necessarily uh, more or less getting rid of one of our businesses, exiting the business, but more so you know, just gaining experience in a different area that I think is a really big deal and that I don't know anything about. And as with most things in life, like things that I don't know about, I go out of my way to try to learn how they work because I, I guess that's just, you know, I think you're very much the same way. We both have that kind of, curious personality and trying to understand how how the world works and to me uh you know exiting a business is it's it's a big checkbox in in what we call life in in my book at least and uh i'm just excited about that part but you know like i said you know i don't think there'd be anything wrong with us hiring someone and just having them run and run the business for us it's just my my preference here is you know learning growing a little bit more becoming more well-rounded in the business world so what about you yeah, and and I completely agree with everything you said. And and honestly, I have to admit, like the the brand is at a million and a half, two million revenue or so, something like that. And uh, that's annual revenue, of course. Um, I have to admit, I've found it fairly difficult to scale past the two and three million dollar mark. I know it requires a bigger team, requires more organization, requires a lot of other stuff, a lot of those things. I I think there's a combination of I don't want to do it (laughs) and also a little bit of I don't know how to do it. So, I mean, we could maintain the company, but I don't really honestly have had a hard time seeing how to scale past two million to tell you the truth. And so that's one thing when you are you take this thing 
that can scale out and you give it to someone else who can scale it up for you or, you know, for themselves, really. And they pay you for the opportunity to allow them to scale it for themselves. And I kind of like that idea. It's, it's kind of like having your kid raised at home and sending them off to college. Like, okay, I raised you up and I'm not a professor. So you're going to have to go like learn life and other things outside of the house in a new place. And so like I, to, for you to grow, you need to leave the home and you need to go pursue and grow outside of my sphere of influence. How would you feel if after this exit in a year or two years from now, you see our our now sold brand just all over the place? <laughs> like you walk into any store and it's just like on the front shelf and everything. Would, would that make you kind of sad or would you just be overtly excited? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, well, you know, McDonald's was founded by the McDonald brothers. But it was not scaled up by them. They were stuck in Southern California. Actually, they're about an hour north of me here in Southern California. They scaled that up. They really got their single hamburger shop really honed down really well. But they didn't want to expand outside of that one or two shops in L.A. And it was Ray Kroc who basically bought the company or, or I don't know if he like licensed it or bought it or whatever he did. And then he scaled up that small little shop up to thousands or millions of, of storefronts. Mm-hmm. And when they talk to the McDonald brothers, they're like, oh, you missed out on this, on all these like billions of dollars. They're like, what are you talking about? I, I didn't know how <laughs> to do that. Yeah. I was stuck yeah. in a little shop in LA. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and so fair. I think I would have the same feeling with, with our brain if it grew. And also, you know what? I would call up the buyer and be like, hey, can you hey, give me a me? few tips on like how, <laughs> <laughs> and how I can scale my other stuff up like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or you just, you know, you, you make those connections and the next time you have a business to sell, you know, you, you take that into account and heck the person that scaled up your old business will know that you build something on such a solid foundation that it is scalable. And maybe you can negotiate that in as part of the, you know, the, the sale, like that, it's a solid business that they can then go and do the same thing with on the next business. So I think there's a lot to be said in terms of uh, networking and, and knowing people in the, in the buying side of this whole operation that can definitely help in the bigger picture. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good point. So the last thing I wanted to hit on was this idea of a brand treadmill. I think I invented this. I think I, I'm, I'm going to take 99% of the credit because maybe someone out there, maybe some podcast planted this in my mind and I'm just like regurgitating something that I heard someone else say. I'm pretty sure I invented this idea though. Or at least I invented the, at least the name of it, brand <laughs> treadmill. You get that trademark. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of a brand treadmill is you create a company that creates brands that it sells every two or three years. Right. So the company is an incubator or like a foundry for brands. Right. And so uh, to get a good exit, you need 24 months of history. So it needs at least two years. We'll just say two to three years to to grow these brands up. Right. And you just build up a brand and exit it. Great. Okay. cool. But the problem, though, is that I found that the beginning of a brand, like the the concepts of like what space to get into, a uh, brand, you know, the the actual like uh, logo and and like how to understand and target your avatar customer, that exercise that's way different than growing than, than having a million dollar brand uh, or multi million dollar uh, revenue brand 
that's doing stuff like like you're spending your most of your time like optimizing logistics and uh, hiring your fifth employee to like manage the thing or whatever and then like uh, making sure that your email cadence is is you know you're doing that email every month like it's a lot more operational when you get to that level which is great i mean if you do a good job with that you can really do you can really make a good profit but the idea of like starting a new company that is different than like operating a, a medium size brand right so the way we get around that and so we don't forget how to start a new company <laughs> we do it every year we start a new company every single year and we sell a company every single year but we're always operating two different companies and you you're growing one and you're maturing one and you're always working on two at one time so you always have this uh, begin like kind of planting your seedlings and then harvesting your fruit i guess in this case it would be harvesting the wood of the tree right and so uh, that idea of a brand treadmill, you're basically have a treadmill or a conveyor belt where you have multiple brands on that conveyor belt being built, grown, and then exited or, or harvested. So to do that, so we have to... That, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think we're, about, <laughs> we're getting to the same point there. As soon as we exit this uh, current one, that means we got to start spinning up the next idea here, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess that, that, that's what that implies, right? We already have, we have our, <laughs> our new brand is going to become our old or not new brand and we'll have a new new brand i guess the yep. end of this year would be kind of where we would put it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's doable though i mean so the I, I feel like what i really appreciate the most about the the brand treadmill idea is that it gets you comfortable going through the same process over and over if you're able to maintain the same personnel or team then they get comfortable or at least if you have contacts that are good at you know specific things you can basically just go to those people and you kind of skip past the whole, you know, like, like how they say, like when, when a team comes together, you, you go from storming to forming to norming. And I, I see that on almost every new team that I join. It's, you know, your initial period is like, everyone's like gung ho getting in there and trying to understand each other. And then everyone's kind of button heads. And then you start getting to this whole, like where everyone is starting to understand each other a little bit better and then you end up in the norming phase, which is, you know, when everything's working fluidly and uh, people are playing nicely together and you're at your most effective operating period, basically. I think by having that brand treadmill where you're able to maintain the same contacts to do the same types of, you know, specific tasks, whether it's uh, designing, you know, a logo or a branding campaign, you, you basically are able to skip a lot of the the storming and forming part of that and just you're, you basically maintain in that norming phase with the same group of people and you're you're, ma- you're remaining very effective with every new brand you start and so a lot of the challenges and struggles i feel like of starting a new company or a new brand basically go out the window and so you know the the people around you if you're able to hold on to them through this this phase which i know we're trying to do to some degree with our, our current brand i think that makes a big difference in the end that's good. I like that. I've never heard that storming to forming to norming. That's I hope good. I got that right. That'd be... <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. If it, if you didn't get it right, that's that's even cooler. <laughs> so that's one thing we're we're trying to hold on to the team. But if someone comes in and is offering us like a seven figure exit, I mm. would consider separating with the team. So we'll we'll uh, yeah, I, I would like yeah. to keep them, <laughs> but we'll see yeah. we'll see how that goes. So, so I had to look that up because it's really quick because I, I wasn't 100% sure if that's what it was. I think I got the general description of it right, but it's actually 
forming, storming, and norming, which makes a lot more sense. You ah, initially okay. come together. You don't start fighting first <laughs> before you form. That would be totally backwards. So you, you form the team, and then everyone's storming, and then you're norming. And I'm seeing now on Google that there's apparently uh, beyond norming, you go into performing, which is really the the climax stage of you know working at your at your best. And I'm seeing another one even here that says after performing, you go to adjourning. It looks like, which I guess means that you're you're done with the project and you're adjourning. I don't know. This is a it's <laughs> interesting, but yeah, no that 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 does make a, make a lot of sense. So forming, storming, norming. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Cool. So I think that's kind of it on the why. Is there anything else to, you want to throw in there on like why you're excited about selling these businesses? Well, in, in particular, this this initial one, I'm, I'm very excited. I already touched on because I want to learn how this works, but I want to learn how this works because I want to keep doing it over and over again. And I want to do it better and better each time we do it. So I think you called it our, our practice exit, but it's very much a real, very big deal to us exit. I want to make sure that we're adequately prepared for, I'd like to think that our businesses that we grow will will only improve going forward and that they will be bigger and bigger exits. And I want to make sure that you know we're equipped with the knowledge and the mindset and you know, all the right tools to, to know how to encounter those bigger exits when we get there. So what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, one, another one is I just want to add seven figure exit to my resume. I think that would sound really nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or multi seven figure. I don't know. Maybe, probably not multi, but maybe single seven figure. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. I guess the other one too is um, we spent so much time not making any money <laughs> in the business. Right. And and like now to the point where it's like it's it like you said, it's a money machine. Right. But we're not three years went three years without taking any profits at all, at all. Right. right? And it's nights and weekends, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into it. And then, uh, yeah, it's on paper on a accrual basis. The accountant and the, the IRS says I'm making money on it. But I'm like, well, wait a minute. I made yeah, sure. We made eighty thousand dollars on on the first year or second year, whatever it was. But like I ended the year with sixty thousand dollars in inventory. And the government's like, oh, yeah, you made 80000 I'm like, but I have 20000 in my bank account and 60000 in inventory. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care. You owe us $30,000 in taxes. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have – I only have $20,000. They're like, oh, but you made yeah, let, money. Let me, like, let me send you – let me let me go ahead and postmark some of this inventory and yeah. send it in as my payment to you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send a couple pallets into you if you want. If you want to accept that, and and they don't accept pallets of of right. shit from China, right? They're like they're like, no, we want cash money. So I'm like, ah, this is hard. <laughs> so that kind of stuff, like those years of not making any money, not taking anything home, that that's a yeah. big thing that excites me about this. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing, too, I guess the other thing I wanted to hit on, too, is like these these uh, multiples right now. I'm at a time of recording. They're they're telling us a Forex multiple on annual profit. So we'll, we'll let you know what we actually get <laughs> if we're allowed to disclose. We'll let you know what, what we actually get later. But the Forex sounds like I'll oh, just hold the company for four years, which is kind of true. But honestly, it almost feels like a 10x multiple. Right. Why do you say that? Well, so. OK, so. It's a 10x multiple because one, we get seller's discretionary earnings. It's 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 a four x on on that earnings, right? And so the and not to get too jargony, but SDE or seller's discretionary earning, it's your profit that you report on your taxes. 
plus all the little junk you you put on your taxes like your phone bill and your home office and your like and that trip to cancun you took and and like that that marketing lunch that you did with your you know that was really just kind of you know i hope the irs is not listening but the marketing lunch was you know a marketing lunch with your friends right and (laughs) And like those kinds of things, like those are really useful, but they are, uh, they're good to take off your taxes and they're legal, proper things to take off, but you get to add all those back in. So you get a 4X multiple on those, right? We can still take those kind of deductions because we have other businesses that we can write off the income on, right? So this business, we're really getting that money, we're, we're getting a 4X on that, okay? That's one. We're also getting our inventories being purchased. And that's just, that's all taxed money that we put on inventory, right? Because I said earlier, I had the 60,000, whatever increase in inventory. That that money just comes back to us. I know that we already kind of, we earned that and put it back in the business, but we get that as an exit, right? So that's kind of like another like one or two X chunk. And then another one we get is our operating capital, we have a good chunk of cash just sitting there waiting to be used just in case we need it because we need to save for Christmas. We need to save for rainy day fund. We were pretty worried about the logistics of just everything with 2020 with all the stuff that happened in 2020. So we kept a nice little cash cushion just to just to be careful. And that money, we don't need that anymore. We don't need to keep that cash cushion. Yeah. We can just take it home and put it in college funds and buy a new house with it and and you're going to invest it in some crypto or something, right, Mike? <laughs> nope, we're not touching that stuff. <laughs> um, so it feels like, yeah, it's a 4X on the on the seller's discretionary earnings. But in a lot of ways, like the money that we're taking home, it really feels kind of like a 10X multiple. Yeah, yeah. And I, I should clarify, when you said uh, save for Christmas, I, I initially thought you were talking about saving for Christmas gifts. And I'm like, wait, what? No, and like I realized inventory. About, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it took me a second there. And I was like, oh, I should probably clarify that, that uh, we're talking about Christmas inventory. We're talking about multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of orders and not not for saving for Christmas gifts. And just just to make sure we're clear there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're bringing in containers every week during leading up to Christmas, so it it uh, they are expensive, and we have to save up that money. And guess what? We don't get paid for that until after the thing is sold. So we have that tens, hundreds of uh, well, hundred to whatever. It's a good chunk, big, big, big chunk of money. So we don't need to save up for that anymore because uh, we don't need a buffer for that anymore. So all those things, those all add up to uh, make it so that exiting. Ex- this is why we exit. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I hope you now are excited about and understand why people want to exit. I think that this is a huge thing that's going to be going on for all of 2021 and for all of the future. So even if you are at the beginning stages of your business, having exit in mind is going to be really useful. There is real money at the end of that rainbow. (laughs) There's a real pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. And if uh, if you are also thinking about it, like, hmm, maybe I should be exiting soon, or maybe I should consider it. Maybe I should talk to a broker or whatever. We're going to be talking about how to exit in the next episode. Yeah. And also, you know, if you don't want to exit, yeah, go ahead, hire that person or keep running that business, whatever. But I think everyone who's listening to this should at least be considering their exit plan. Absolutely. I agree with that. And along those lines, I know that when we started these businesses, at least it wasn't exiting wasn't on my mind. And I kind of wish that it was at that time because 
I think perhaps we would have made slightly different decisions on how we built up the business had we kind of built it towards that exit. So I 100% agree with uh, what you say there. You know, if exiting is your long-term goal, then, you know, become a little more savvy in it and, and base your decisions on that. Perfect, Mike. Well, thanks for being here and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks again. Talk to you guys soon. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, that was recorded back at the end of 2020, and this is the first part of the series. If you are interested in learning more about exiting, follow this entire series. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. If you want to learn more about it, I am so excited to talk to people about this. This is a fun thing that happened to us, a life-changing event that happened to us. If you want to learn more and talk to me, I would love just to chit-chat about exiting your business. If you want to do that, go ahead and go to zonconpodcast.com slash exit, E-X-I-T, exit. And that link will be in the show notes. I would love to jump on a call and talk about like how the different options and how we went about exiting, why we exited and how you can too. So go ahead and go to zonconpodcast.com slash exit, fill out the form and we will talk soon.